The journey is the reward. The journey is the reward. There always is an end result, but really, in all honesty, I don't know how many people you know, how many people um, you have, you, you know that have done something large or successful. And I mean successful to the eyes of someone else or themselves. Because to some people, your success isn't shit to them. And that's fine. Because that's somebody else, that's not you. Success is in the eye of the beholder, but the journey is the reward. How you got there. How you got there. Because the end result is the end result, and yeah, you can feed a little glory and box the clown to that for a little while, but the journey is the reward. Um, which kind of brings up my next subject, just a little tinker of information here. Valonia Farm is for sale. The poultry homestead, our farm, Valonia Farm, is for sale. The journey is the reward. We almost, you know, I mean, we didn't quite do every single thing you could do to that property because every everybody has a separate vision. My um, my awesome mother-in-law, she she did a, a slew of things to this really old rundown property. And it was a lot of work. And, you know, she she spent her life mowing lawn and all this other stuff. And, you know, she decided one day that she wanted to, things to be a little bit easier. And then we considered buying it from her. And by golly, at the... At the a few months later, we sure did. We bought it from uh, my mother-in-law. We bought Bologna Farm. Um, and we spent the next three years, three and a half, four years of our life, you know, shaping, molding, remodeling, building, excavating, um, totally adding little snippets every in every single corner of this property that we could so that you know because it was our journey we we made it into Valonia Farm and we tried to make everything as perfect as possible for the times as possible you know and and you'll build something and you'll tear it down and you'll change your mind and you'll do something different and add on to buildings put wall coverings in the inside of the house and really make it look like a like a farmhouse a homestead uh, a place you never want to leave, you know. And uh, with 2020 in the rearview mirror, when we couldn't leave, we made it into something that you would never want to leave. You know what I mean? And that's exactly what we did to Bologna Fire. We've we've done it to a few other places. You know, we've built it and shaped it and molded it into something that. You know, to be honest with you, it, it was just something that um, we we built it for ourselves, but other people saw value in it, right? Um, we did it at, at a lake property. We did it at a country property down the road. We did it in Oregon. We did it in Mankato, Minnesota. You know, it's just something, the journey is the reward. So... I guess now that Valonia Farm is for sale, 
And we'll be moving on to something else. We're looking for another journey. I guess. That's how I would put it. We're looking for another journey. And where are we going? We don't know yet. <laughs> That's the first question you've been asking yourself the whole time. If you're, if you're a farms for sale, where the fuck are you going? Well, we don't know. We don't know. We do not have a place picked out. We do not have an offer on our property quite yet. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll put a link to our property in the show notes if that's something you seem interested in. You know, podcast listeners and such. Um, my wife has done an awesome job over the years of making sure and ensuring that this property was pristinely decorated and clean. So, yeah. Valonia Farm is for sale. Welcome to the Poultry Homestead Podcast, everybody. I'm sure glad you're here. And yeah, you know, I mean, you have these properties in your life. And in order, you you kind of got to build it to suit, especially when you're doing gardening, homesteading, all these things that, and, and you're going to have all these animals that you want, Right? Uh, who doesn't want more animals? Who doesn't want more animals? I mean, gosh, you know, I mean, we, we've been slimming the herd because we know we're selling the farm. But cheapers, you know, I mean, we, <clears throat> we, we love our animals, but we know that we're going to have a move coming pretty soon. And we know we're going to be going to a different place that's not going to be set up for all these animals we have, right? So if that's the case... We really need to look at what animals are we keeping right now. Uh, you already knew we were slimming the herd, so you knew something was coming up, I'm sure, if you've caught that in the podcast at all. But um, what about your fencing? Okay, so usually within the first year of us being at any of our last three properties, the first thing we do is we love our dogs. Our dogs are our family. Uh, my daughter's best friend is a golden retriever, and it's one of our dogs. Um, and usually neighboring properties or the way the property sits on the land and the roads that we have, uh, that makes us fence our property. Good fences make good neighbors. Let me say that again. Good fences make good neighbors. It doesn't mean that your neighbors are assholes. Okay? It does not mean that. What it means is that your dog is not killing the neighbor's chickens. Your dog isn't shitting on your neighbor's pristinely mowed landscaped yard. There cows are not putting divots on your fucking property. Their animals are not getting into your grain. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody's animals get out. I totally get it. And good fences are a very big piece of this picture that you can have. So one of the things we do when we build that property fence, we gate the driveway. Now, 
I always tell our friends, if the driveway is gated, it's okay. You can still come in, park outside the gate, let yourself in, come on in. We're not gate fencing the property to keep you out of the property. We are fencing the property to protect our animals. You know, because what's a dog cost nowadays? A thousand bucks? You know? You got all these thousand dollar dogs running around and, and, you, and you let it get smoked by a fucking car when it's three months old? No, 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 not this fucking guy. Uh-uh. A thousand dollars worth of fence will save that dog's life for its whole life, right? You know, so if you got any kind of traffic by your place, I mean, we live on a gravel road that only like half a dozen cars come by in a day and in the summer, spring, and fall, sometimes 20 fucking tractors are coming by, right? I mean, that's a lot. That is a lot. And farmers got some big shit, and they can't see if your dog's under the tire. And they don't know if they hit your dog. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we, we really need these fences. So, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a tutorial on fences. Now, um... A few weeks back, you know, uh, Victor and I, we were talking about a two-inch by four-inch welded wire. Now, the shit's expensive, you know. I mean, if you buy 50 feet, you're actually paying some pretty good money for that nowadays. You know, I mean, on the cheap end, you'll see $60, so you're paying over a buck a foot for it. But it it actually holds itself vertical. And the T-posts that you put out, I mean, now, don't get me wrong here. I, I usually, when I'm doing a perimeter fence on the property, put the T-posts from 8 to 12 feet. You can do 10 feet, you can do 12 feet, it'll hold it up. Um, on the welded wire, I usually try, okay, usually try, depending on how many posts I get and how much I feel like running to town to get more, usually try to, to put those at 8 feet apart. With that, with that two inch by four inch welded wire. And I only use zip ties to put that shit on there. They do make like a wire clip and a wire keeper that is really good and really stable and sturdy, but I'm always changing fence. So I want something that I can cut. And with these zip ties, if you get like kind of a high quality black zip tie, because my wife likes to paint the post black so you can't see them, she doesn't like green posts. No big deal. Black fence is awesome. It's kind of our thing. Um, this welded wire and, and the black zip ties, it will actually, as the sun hits it over time, it will actually form itself to what you zipped it to. And the welded wire will still keep itself up. Now, fair warning. Welded wire, you know, is not to be, on these T-posts with zip ties, is not to be pushed against. It's, it's a fence that's observed, so that's why it works perfect for fucking chickens because chickens don't land on it and they don't they don't observe they observe it but they, a chicken don't push against shit you know what i mean i mean it's not like a horse or a cow that's going to push against it they they just observe it and they recognize it now four foot high welded fire welded wire fence okay i'm really trying to do some fucking tongue twisters here today but anyway four foot high welded wire fence is a chicken can fly over that unless you clip their wings. Now, 
when you have new chickens going into a welded wire fence, you're gonna run into difficulty because, you know, they're gonna fly out, the dog is gonna kill one. I mean, we've had this all happen. Um, and all this other bullshit. But a four foot high welded wire fence, when your chickens are young and you start clipping their wings, now I'm talking about clipping the feathers, not clipping any bone in their wings, okay? Clipping the feathers of the wings, like the bottom part of the fe feathers. You know, you, you look at the airplane's wing, how it tapers, that back part does all the carrying. It, it scoops all the air, it's where the air comes up. So you have to clip the bottom of that. Yeah, your chickens will look a little different. They don't look horrible. I mean, they don't look like you have five roosters in a flock of 20. I mean, then your chickens look like shit. But anyway, they don't look that bad, but you are training them. Then, after, you, you're gonna have to keep clipping that every time they molt for a good year, all right? So you're gonna clip your chicken's wings three to four times, okay? And if you got really good free rangers like Buff Orpingtons, you might still get a few that come out of that fence, which kind of sucks. But um, then they are trained in. They don't try to fly over the fence. You don't have to clip them anymore. After being a year old or so, after doing that clipping the first, you know, uh, every time they molt, you know, which they only molt once a year normally, but you still might have to clip those wings because they grow feathers. Um, so you gotta do that if you're gonna contain them. Otherwise you have to have an overhead net or a hell of a lot higher fence. Okay, I'm just telling you about the four, four foot welded wire fence. Um, you know, so for chickens, that works great. Chicken wire works great. It's flimsy as hell, but it works great. You can always put a, a good piece of wood on top of that chicken wire. But the problem is, is the chickens can now land on the top of your fence and they will use it for that purpose and they will get out of the fence easier, okay? So, I mean, you really got to keep an eye on that shit. Um, otherwise, uh, four-foot welded wire, you know, we use that all the time. Dogs, it's perfect for the fucking dogs. If the dogs lean against it, yes, they are going to knock it over. Not a lot of dogs lean against it, but I did have a pig that leaned against that shit once. And, you know, when you'd come with food, because pigs, what's their love language? Food. So um, that was a hard thing to deal with. And I really needed to do something else with the fence in that case. But, you know, it is what it is, and, and you know, life happens. Um, but otherwise, for the cows and the horse, what we are using right now is T-posts with little plastic dealies that you put on there and it holds poly rope. Now this poly rope is probably about three, three eighths inches uh, outside diameter. Uh, I'm guessing that's just a wild guess. I'm not doing, being fucking technical here. Um, it's about three eighths of an inch outside diameter. And we put the uh, electrifier on there and we make sure we have good ground. You always read your instructions and try to do it per the instructions. You can use solar or plug-in, we use plug-in. Uh, after a few times getting zapped, they don't fuck with it anymore. They know what getting zapped is and they do not test it anymore. So, um, you know, we plug it in at nighttime especially because we don't want like a coyote or an outside animal or a raccoon or whatever trying to get in there. Um, you can use thinner stuff. You can definitely use thinner stuff. Um, but this 3 poly rope has been pretty pretty good to us and it's easy 
It's kind of expansive, but it's easy. I mean, it's not like it's a buck a foot, like welded wire or anything. But um, super easy to put up. I mean, you can put up and tear down and redo and whatever, all your fences all the time. In the winter, it'll look like it needs to be stretched if you do that. Uh, when it heats up again, it's very possible that it'll kind of bend your posts a little bit because it, it gets taut again. So do with that information what you will. There is no magic uh, on the stretchy on that. I haven't had to stretch mine in three years. But I've also had to redo it a couple times just because the snow did something to it or the animals did something to it or whatever. You know, I mean, when you got animals, you're always fucking with your fence. You know, gates, hanging gates. I mean, pipe gates are great. They don't last forever. Um, if you have any animals that rub against them or test them at all, uh, or kids that hang on them, uh, they're going to test the water on that. Uh, if you can get your kids not to be on those gates, do so. Um, kids ruin more gates than animals do. <laughs> um, but wooden fence? I mean, if you're doing rail fencing, you know, that's pretty expensive. And horses and cows, they can gnaw on it and eat it. Uh, not all of them do. There's stuff you can put on there to make the flavor bad and they don't want to do that. But it still sucks. You know what I mean? Uh, especially with horses in your life. I mean, they will really, really eat that shit. And um, that's no fun. That's a whole lot of nasty, not niceness. You know what I mean? So, a few things you got to look at in your fencing. Um, I always try to put my, split, uh, my rail fencing uh, my supports and everything, I really try to get that eight feet apart. You can do more than that, and it's fine. Um, the reason I put everything eight feet apart on that is because lumber comes in a very dimensional size, okay? Um, so, eight feet, if you find eight footers on sale, because usually eight footers are way cheaper board, per board foot, than 16 footers because you need bigger trees to make 16 foot lumber if that makes any sense to you whatsoever um so you need to really look at what the pricing of your lumber is and if you're using treated or pressure treated or any of those it's very important um looking at that and seeing what you have some people use decking which is a five quarters board it's a quarter inch um, thinner than your inch and a half uh, construction green treated lumber. A lot of people use green treated. You know, some people are using that vinyl fence stuff. I don't know, once vinyl fence is fucked, it's fucked. You can't just go get another one and put it in there. It's all faded from the sun and everything else. And I mean, green treated to me is, is probably the way to go in this. Um, but when you're hanging your gates, you're going to want to put an angle brace on your what you are hanging them from or you're going to want to use a much much bigger support uh, i usually use four by fours for the fencing itself and then i might put a four by four you know two or three feet back and then put an angle brace on anywhere there's a gate now we're talking eight foot gates max when you're doing that kind of thing uh, you're going to want to either use a I'd prefer to use a 6x6 with a tieback 4x4 or 4x6 uh, if you're using a gate larger than that. You know, a lot of people really need 12-foot gates. 
You know, if you're going to take any kind of equipment into that thing, you would think an eight-foot gate would really do it, and it does. But uh, if you're going sideways or any of this, that, or the other thing, or taking anything kind of large in that pan, um, you're going to want to use a 12-foot gate for sure. But the thing is, is if you're using poly rope, all you need is those handles that hook on to the other fence. And you can make that fucking gate as big as you want, and it doesn't cost anything. It, it hardly costs anything. Those handles are cheap. 12-foot gates cost a lot of money. Okay? So when you're looking at your fence, and you, you know, you're going to want to estimate what this project is going to cost. You're going to see how much free material you can use. Now, you can get power poles from the power company for cheap. And you can put those little things for poly rope on there for cheap, okay? But you gotta dig the holes for those posts, right? So that's gonna be a lot of work. You know what I mean? If you don't wanna work that hard, just use T-posts. Um, but you may be able to get used or other lumber off like Facebook Marketplace or whatever, or the farmer down the road that's retiring and doing an auction or anything, you know, a lot of shit can be used for fencing. And you know, cattle paneling, we have a bunch of that. That works really good for the pigs because the pigs itch up against shit. For the cows though, I mean, that electric poly rope, so easy to deal with, so cheap, and just low maintenance. You can use regular electric fence too. I mean, that stuff's pretty good. The only thing is, is when that snaps, it creates a large piece that can put a great big slice in the side of a horse or a cow. <clears throat> that end piece that just snapped or got broken or whatever. You know what I mean? So that's why that's one thing that the poly rope really abates is, you know, cutting your animals open. You know what I mean? So that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And you really got to look at shit like that, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot, in a lot of things, these, this all this fence... There's so many fencing I didn't, so much fencing I didn't cover today. But you know what? Fencing is a very big part of your homestead. <clears throat> Put a lot of thought into what you spend and how much work it's going to be. Because if it's 95 degrees and humid as fuck, do you really want to be digging telephone poles in and putting poly rope on it when you could just hammer in a few T-posts and be done with it in a few hours? It would take you weeks to dig those power poles in. You know what I mean? Look at that. And, but you know what? Those power posts, di digging those in and putting gates on them, that's fucking awesome. But are your bolts gonna stretch across that power pole? You know what I mean? You really gotta look and really gotta think about fencing. It's, it's an art. I've been doing it for years. But anyway, thank you for tuning in today and God bless you. Hope you uh, had a good 4th of July and all that. And um, if uh, curiosity is killing the cat, maybe you could uh, look at the Valonia farm on my little posty post here. See if that tickles your fancy a little bit. On to the next one if we get her sold. Anyway, God bless you. Anyway, have a good one. Thank you.